0: Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate, with your host, Broker Associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher.
1: Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher, and today I have Brown Harris Stevens broker, Jane Holden. Hey, Jane, how are you today?
2: Very well, John. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, uh,
1: I I understand you were born and raised right here in Sag Harbor Village. Is that correct?
2: No, I was, this was our summer home for the first six years of my life. I was born in Mercy Hospital in Rockville Center. We lived in Williston Park. Um, but I went to school here my whole life and raised my children here. And my three older siblings were all graduates of Pearson High School, as was I. And um, so I've spent a lot of years here.
1: Right. Now, at one point when you were doing that six years, you were living in Redwood, as I recall, right?
2: Yes. Right. I, I, we Yes. Yeah, well the
1: yeah. thing most people don't realize is that Redwood is an island. So were you living in Redwood before they built the bridge on the causeway to it? Yes.
2: Yes. And well, the that minute was there really was exciting. <laughs> Well, we were the only family that lived there all year round for many years. Now, and the minute that, there was a bad storm. Right. The causeway would flood. And my older brother's friends would come over in a rowboat and call their parents and say they couldn't go to school because they were stuck in Redwood.
1: <laughs> so that beats a so, storm, doesn't it? Right? Just all, and we get storms quite often, right?
2: <laughs> yes. And, and actually, my brother Charlie and I, uh, when my older siblings were gone, we walked to school. So, and that was two and a half miles each way. And the one winter, um, my feet, got very, very cold and his ear got frostbite. So the next year they started the school bus and we were the only two students that they came up to get.
1: Wow. Now that you, yeah. you were living here before, I guess it was Nate uh, from the uh, Sag Harbor Inn. He, mm-hmm. he Cause he would tell stories the same thing that uh, if it flooded, you couldn't get out off the Island. Basically you couldn't get Correct. in. Wow. That's amazing. Now, the uh, you were you around when the uh, the infamous uh, Black buoy was here in the village? Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. I actually went to school with the owner's daughter
1: Ah, because they, they say that uh, Paul Newman, Steve McQueen and uh, Faulkner. Was, uh, they
2: would all be there. And when we were seniors in high school, because, you know, nice girls didn't go in there. Oh. And we we decided it had a purple door, but they had the best pizza. And you could order pizza and they'd bring it out to you. But But we decided we were going to go in and have a drink. So we stood on the far end of the bar as close to the door as possible so we could exit immediately if we needed to, just so we could say, we had a drink in there. (laughs)
1: Because I understand a lot of times they had uh, brawls that would just uh, flow out to the street.
3: Uh, Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay, now you, you mentioned to me earlier in our conversations, you've been doing real estate for 41 years. Is that, is that correct? Yes. So let, let me ask you, what drew you to real estate 41 years ago?
2: Well, my stepmother, Vera Holden, was a real estate broker in Montauk and very successful. And I was always good at sales. I mean, as a young girl, I sold the most Girl, girl Scout cookies. And um, to be around my children, I was driving a school bus. And my stepmother kept going after me saying, you need to do this. And I looked in the express one day and there was an ad for a real estate course. So I signed up. It was for six weeks, two nights a week. Each section was taught by an attorney. You took a final exam after each section. And then when you were done, I got my salesperson's license and um, I went to work for Tony Mangana, who was Mangana Real Estate. And he really taught me how to do the business. And you could apply for a broker's license. You could take the class to get it a year after you had your salesperson's license if you could prove that you did sales and rentals and that you did it full time.
1: So I, I know Nowadays, you have to have a certain amount of... of um, uh, uh, sales in, in, you know, yes, even
2: that. But see, the difference between now and then was after I took my exam, they sent a state examiner down who went through to see that I did what I said I did. And then I got my broker's license.
1: Wow. And, so, um, well, let me ask you did Tony give you any advice that you still use today, or did you have any other mentors that? That would say something to you that it it clicked and you carry that still today when you're dealing with people in real estate or just in general in your life?
2: Well, Tony, he taught me so much. And one day I remember saying to him, I don't know how I can ever pay you back. And he said, it's very simple. You pay it forward. You teach somebody else. And my stepmother told me, just remember, Jane, you're only as good as your last sale. Hmm. And people forget that. And they think this business is easy. You know, dress up, put your high heels on, wear your clothes that's too small, saute into the cocktail, sell in real estate. No, it's not. There's so much work involved. I mean, I went on to go to school to become a paralegal. I took all of the classes for an appraiser. And I did not keep that license up. I was happy with the real estate. But it taught me what you needed to know and how important comps are and how to get a comp. You do not list something because something else is listed at this price and this price. It's what something sold for. And it's frightening how many people doing real estate today do not understand that.
1: Well, you know, speaking of comps, I mean, the market's been changing so rapidly. Uh, how do you do comps? Like, say, the comps from six months ago aren't relevant to, to uh, today's market.
2: That's what makes it a tough business. And, <laughs> you, no, because really,
1: because he, most people don't think it's it's a tough business. You know, they think, oh, it's all glamour and and showbiz or and whatever.
2: fast money. Yeah. I remember a number of years ago, someone who had a very good job with uh, the town, you know, she um, and she said, I'm thinking of going into real estate. And I invited her over and I asked her, do you have your weekends off? She says, of course. I said, do you have holidays off? Of course. I said, do you pay get paid vacation? Oh, yes. I said, Do you get insurance? Oh, yes. And I said, well, guess what? You won't have any of that in real estate. You pay all that yourself.
1: And then stop her? Did that stop her?
2: She stayed in the very good job that she has, which I'm sure she's very happy she did.
1: But did you say to, to her that it's not a nine to five job? It's actually a 24 hour job.
2: It's you have to. And I tell many young people, don't be afraid to turn your phone off. I turn my phone off at eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock at night. That's it. it but see, the difference is with phone and everything, which is everything 24 hours now. When I started in the business, you'd put a sign on the door, be back in an hour. You'd go look at your open houses. You'd come back. You'd play the messages on the phone. You'd call the people back. Work got done. We hand-delivered contracts. And... You know, um, I, the, we had a fiche machine, which was totally different. It wasn't instant. You had these uh, a machine, and you'd go through the county records looking at it to pick out the information you wanted on the different houses. And we lived with the tax map book. And, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't instant gratification as it is now.
1: Right, right.
2: You, you had to put the time and the effort into it.
1: So, let me ask you, you know, uh, what kind of advice, we're talking about advice, you got advice, which I think was very uh, pertinent, but what kind of advice do you give first-time buyers that are coming into our market?
2: Well, um, they have their wish list. And then you have to go over with them about a reality list. Because... You know, and I remember one, um, this young man was engaged to this girl and Audi came in his fancy car, which he had on empty. And I had to get him to a gas station before he ran out of gas and it was a beautiful house. And it was, you know, like a million and a half dollars. And this young lady was being very picky about it. Well, my parents live south of the highway. And I just looked, I said, excuse me, what was your parents' first house like? Was that the south of the highway? And I think that's a problem with the youth today. Um, they think they should have everything instantly. And it's, it, that's not real. Things.
1: Yeah, you have to work at things, right?
2: You have to work. And, and you. I don't think you appreciate it when you get it all at once. Mm. Mm. You know, I was showing a rental many years ago, and the woman had her two little daughters with her. And um I had picked out what she could afford in her price range and I would never show anybody anything I wouldn't live in. And she's in this kitchen and she says, Well, there's no dishwasher. I don't think I could survive the summer. And I looked at her and I said, I see two dishwashers. Two things. what are you? I said, No, your two daughters. Are they're you? old enough. <laughs> <That's I funny. laughs> And she got very upset with me. But the reality is when my dishwasher broke, I got my kids helping me with the chores. And I learned more about what they would do in teenagers than I would if I had the dishwasher going. <laughs> they, 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 my son says to me, Mom, you think in practical terms, people don't think in common sense anymore.
1: Yeah, that's part of the problem, I think, you know. Anyway, um, have you uh, been involved in any bidding wars?
2: Oh, Yes. Um the beginning of May I listed a condominium, a one bedroom 680 square foot condominium. I priced it at $695,000. I had four competitive bids on it and it closed last week at $811,000.
1: Wait a second, so was something what happened in the interim between May and and uh, last week?
2: Well, it was within a month I had we had four people competing and bidding on it and the highest and best bid won.
1: Right. OK. Well, that's, what uh, happened. that's what that's our job, isn't it? They get the, uh, the most. That's
2: what we have to do, you know, and, and, and you have to be careful with sealed bids, you know. And I was very adamant that I did not have a customer bidding on it because hmm. if I had, I would have had to I would have turned everything over to our office manager.
1: Right, right. What can, uh, so, okay, if you have a buyer and they get into a bidding war, do you give them any advice? Do you say, what kind of advice do you say to them? Look, um, Joe, you know you now have four people bidding against you. Do you want what
2: is the, what is the highest and best that you are comfortable spending? Do you want to own this house or do you want the house to own you?
1: That's you good can, advice, right?
2: There's always going to be another one. If you lose it, you weren't meant to have it.
1: Right, right. Um, if you had a crystal ball, what do you think the market's going to be like in the next six months? Oh. And you only got 15 seconds to tell me.
2: <laughs> I'd be a billionaire if I could predict what's going to happen <laughs> in the next six months. <laughs> it's. I think you're going to see a lot of houses that people overpaid for when The uh, pandemic started and they panicked coming on the market
1: at a loss. Hmm, Interesting. Okay. If people want to reach out to you, how can they, if they have any questions?
2: Um, My cell phone number is 631-987-8804. And my email is jeholden at bhs. Hamptons, with an S, dot com. And I'm at 96 Main Street in St. Harbor, next to the movie theater.
1: Fantastic. Jane Holden, it's been a delight and a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher Uh, broadcasting here on Long Island's only NPR station, WLIW 88.3 FM. Please stay tuned to Real Life since we'll be right back after the short break with our next guest. Welcome back to Real Life and this is your host John Christopher and today we're going to talk about a piece of real estate in Sag Harbor Village except that it floats and that is the iconic American Beauty 2. I have the pleasure of having Captain Don Heckman with me. Hi Don,
3: how are you? Hi John, how are you doing? Thanks I'm... for inviting me today.
1: Oh, I'm I'm so happy that you're here, okay, and that you you took the you a know, little time off uh, from you doing your cruise and and uh, talking to me. So before we talk about the American beauty, let's talk about you. Where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in a a small town in Cape May County, New Jersey. The name of the town was Woodbine. And uh, I came up here in the late 70s to go to Southampton College. And uh, I graduated with a BS in biology and stayed. And stayed? So, yeah, the, I've been here since the late '70s.
1: Wow, that, well, what attracted you? Because you you uh, grew up by the uh, the water in, by Cape May. That uh, you said this is pretty nice out here.
3: Yeah, correct. When uh, I uh, I I sent away to Southampton College for some information, and they sent me a uh, a pamphlet with an aerial view of the campus. And uh, Connick Bay was on one side, and Shinnecock Bay was on the other side of the campus. And I just thought that uh, that's where I'm going.
1: Well, and and you did right. That's great. So yep. how'd you come up with the name American Beauty for uh, for your your ship or your boat? I, I which which is correct, ship or boat?
3: Uh, the boat, just a boat. Okay. Um. Uh, in, in 90, I started the tours in 92. And at that time, the, uh, uh, a local historian, Dorothy Zakowski, wrote a book called Sag Harbor The Story of an American Beauty, and the name stuck.
1: Hmm. And that's, uh, that's how we got to American Beauty. Now, you had, go ahead, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something there, Don?
3: No, no, go oh, ahead. Okay.
1: <laughs> so you had, before you had the American Beauty 2, you had the American Beauty 1. What happened there?
3: Well, that boat was, uh, got, was, was very old when I bought it and, uh, it needed, uh, extensive repair and it would have taken uh, a lot of money and a lot of time to do the repair. So I, I had to, uh, abort mission.
1: Right. So what ha- what and, do you do with a boat? To, Cause it's a very large boat. I mean, what do you do in a, in a how do you, uh, just, you don't take it to the local dump, do you?
3: No, no. I, I, I ended up selling it to, uh, uh, a gentleman from upstate who was going to use it in Lake George. And uh, I don't know what, what he's doing with it at this point.
1: Ah, maybe he's doing something similar, right?
3: Yes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why not?
1: <laughs> Why not? Exactly. So let's go back to what year was that? 1972. You
3: said. Uh, that, that I started the, uh, the, the boat tours in 92, 1992.
1: Oh, 92. Sorry. Okay. But yes. you were here before, prior to that.
3: I was, I, Came up here in uh, 77, September okay. of 77.
1: So you've seen Sag Harbor change a little bit, right?
3: Yes, Sag, Sag Harbor and the entire East End actually has changed quite a bit over the years. Yeah, uh, The population has grown and the East End is a, uh, a destination now. People, people from all over the world come to New York City and come and visit the East End. Right. And they, uh, I, I, I've I've met people from literally all over the world. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they, they, and they, they come, come back again, don't they? Some of them come back, yes. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Well, that, that is fabulous. So, what was the village like back then? I mean, was the Black buoy around?
3: Uh, yeah, I don't remember, um, the, the whole story behind the Black buoy, but that was a, uh, uh, a bar on Main Street that was here for quite a long time, but the village was very quaint uh, back in the uh, '70s, late '70s and '80s when I was first here. Uh, and of course, the population has grown quite a bit in uh, you know all over the East End. So uh, uh, Sag Harbor has changed quite a bit since uh, in, in 30 years.
1: Right, right, right. Now, I was thinking when I said the black buoy because I've heard all kinds of stories, like um, not uh, Steve McQueen, but um, uh, Paul Newman. I think it was. He used to come out here and hang out. Oh,
3: really? I, I don't. I, I don't know. I'm sure he did. I mean, it, it's possible.
1: Right, right. Because they had the racing uh, in Bridgehampton at the time. So,
3: okay, anyway,
1: yeah, that's a, that's a you know like a little walk down memory lane there. But anyway, um, now. You have all kinds of cruises, like one is this, uh, you have a sunset cruise. Now, how long are they and and where do you go?
3: For the sunset cruise, for example, last night when I went, uh, I went uh, along North Haven out to the South Ferry and into uh, Noyak Bay a little bit, where we saw some houses and uh, Mike Bloomberg has a house out there. He's on Shelter Island actually and uh, then down along uh, Mishamak Nature Preserve back into uh, Sag Harbor and I just play some some light music and people have their wine and cheese or their supper, whatever they like, and just enjoy the ride. Mm. And uh, during the day, I do a 90 minute cruise at three o'clock where uh, I go out to the Cedar Point Lighthouse and along the Mishamak Preserve and down along uh, North Haven again. And uh, I have a narrative that gives the history of Sag Harbor and describes the areas we go around.
1: Now, is it uh, pre-recorded or do you do it live?
3: My narrative is on tablet right now. I I couldn't, wouldn't be able to uh, do it live because uh, the phone rings. I have to watch, you know, navigate the the boat, watch the (laughs) boats, pay attention, and uh, shouldn't uh, talk on the phone while I'm driving. (laughs)
1: right exactly now you also have nature cruises can people just say hey listen can can we charter the boat and go out and see some nature
3: well the reason i call that a nature cruise is because uh about two-thirds of the area that we go around is protected by either the nature conservancy the county the state and uh there's a lot it's protected area there's you know uh it's it's it, people won't be able to build on it, hopefully forever. And uh, because of that, I describe it as a uh, a nature cruise. Oh, interesting. Describe, I describe the area.
1: What kind of uh, wildlife have you seen? Have you seen any whales or uh, eagles or anything like that?
3: Uh, no, but yesterday, yes, uh, there there are a nesting pair of of uh, eagles on on Mashamic. Uh, I have seen them. And yesterday when we were out, I saw there was a uh, a shark was was caught in the one of the fish traps off of uh, Mishamak. Uh, I have seen dolphins. Shark? Yes.
1: Wow. You know, because it almost sounds no. like uh, Jaws, you know.
3: <laughs> no, well, it, was, it was a small one. It was it was, uh, you know, five or six feet. He uh, was probably chasing bait and uh, got lost.
1: Right, right. That right.
3: happened to a, a dolphin one year. Um, uh, I called the, uh, the rescue people uh, and told them that a the dolphin was in, caught in a net. And they came out and they, they gave me a return call. And they said that uh, it was a juvenile and he was chasing some food and uh, got caught in a net. So they waited till uh, the tide went out and uh, they freed him up.
1: Wow. That is a, excellent. Excellent. Um, have you seen any deer? Because a lot of people don't realize they swim.
3: Yeah, I, I saw uh one year when uh, I was up by uh, Smith Cove and I was cutting across to uh uh North Haven and I saw a uh, a deer and a a fawn swimming from North Haven over to Shelter Island. And uh that's a,
1: quite a joint, he, isn't it? I mean, it's not like well, I, around the corner.
3: I, a couple well yeah but a, a, a couple of guys in a small boat uh pulled up to them and uh uh helped the uh the fawn over to uh Shelter Island but the interesting thing was that it was uh slack tide at the time the tide was not moving and i guess she she realized that and that's why she was doing it at that time
1: uh, yeah, i know because the the tide when it comes in between um, Sag Harbor and and uh... Shelter Island sometimes, can, you know, because you can see the ferries, a lot of times they, they they miss the dock, you know, they don't miss it. But I mean, they go out for a wide berth and, you know, they let the tide pull them back in.
3: Yeah, well, there's a, a lot of when, when the tide moves, there's a lot of water that goes from Pecanic to Gardner's Bay. And that area there is, is gets narrow and so the water uh, actually rushes through there pretty good same thing uh on the north side of shelter island between shelter island and greenport the tide could move pretty uh pretty quickly through there
1: yeah have you ever been out to um or is that too far a uh, distance uh to the race i
3: i i've been out there uh years ago i went out there but uh uh there's really, uh, that's, that's pretty far. And, uh, because of the time allowed the time I have mm-hmm. to do a cruise, I can't, I can't really go, uh, you know, out that far.
1: Yeah. it's like a, a day trip, I guess.
3: Not a day trip, but it, yeah, it would take me a couple of hours to get there. I'm a slow boat. You know, oh. I only, I cruise during my cruises. I'm usually doing around 7.2 knots. Oh, so, uh, uh, it's not like I can get there in fifteen minutes and come back, you know. It, it
1: It's like a it slow trip to China.
3: Yeah, well, it's nice. Slow <laughs> is good.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I uh, we spoke uh, a while back there, and uh, you checked the the weather. And the, does the weather change? I mean, do you sometimes say, okay, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm not going out today.
3: Sure, of course, uh, but I have uh, several uh, weather apps that I I pay attention to. And, uh, uh, one of them has a good radar system. And, um, uh, I watch the weather and if, if it's, if it looks like there's a storm close, I usually call it. And I, you know, I prefer to, uh, err on the side of caution right, rather than, rather than go out.
1: Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Pollen. Hmm. So, if someone wants you to stay out past sunset, can you navigate in the dark?
3: Yes, I have. I have uh, all the safety equipment. However, um, there is no, uh, you know, New York City skyline type situation out here. So uh, usually people, uh, you, you know, uh, want to get in shortly after dark. They're not really interested in staying out long. Right. Uh, my sunset cruise. Uh, After the sun sets, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, 15, 20 minutes from the dock. And, uh, you know, we get the full effect of the color of the sky and whatnot. But uh, uh, then I go right in.
1: Right. Makes sense. Makes total sense. You're right. Because it's it's also like uh, living on the ocean. People think, oh, I want to live on the ocean. But come nighttime, you don't see anything.
3: Yeah, right. right. You live on the bay, at
1: least you you see lights, you know.
3: (laughs) Makes it interesting. Um, it, it is nice when when it starts to get dark, it is very nice. But uh, once it turns, it gets fully dark. Uh, uh, there's not much you, you can't see anything.
1: Now, you also do private charters. Um, how does that work? What I do for private
3: charters is I, I charge by the hour. The boat holds 33 people and uh, people rent at the boat by the hour. For whatever occasion they have, uh, any kind of party or no party, just a, a group of people together don't want, want to take a ride on a boat, and uh, they pick the uh, the day, the time, and the duration, and they bring their their food and beverage down, and there is a bathroom on the boat, and uh, they uh, pair their their playlist to my uh, my stereo via Bluetooth. So, how can
1: uh, someone reach you, uh-huh.
3: Uh, The the best way to reach me would be uh, uh, by going to my website, which is AmericanBeautyCruises.com.
1: Don Heckman, Captain of the American Beauty 2, thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing your experiences. This is John Christopher for Real Life, broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island. If you'd like to hear this program again or other podcasts, go to WLIW radio slash Real Life. Thank you for listening. And in the meantime, be sure to have an awesome journey.
0: I've been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at WLIW.org slash radio.